This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode 12 of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. This week, we sit down with Chef Lowe, who's currently cooking at Estuary in Washington, D.C. We talk about his culinary background, from getting fired at Maggiano's to working for the Voltaggio brothers. He talks about his stepfather as a culinary role model, his thoughts on going to culinary school, cooking Colombian food, and staging in restaurants. I really hope you enjoy this episode. We sat down with him a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, we had some audio issues, and we lost the whole episode. So I'm so glad that he came back and talked to us again, and I think this one is even better than the one we had previously recorded. I'd also like to take this time to thank Jugbridge Brewery, located at 911 East Patrick Street in Frederick, Maryland. They've graciously given us a space to record the podcast, so I think you should go grab a beer if you're in the area. And now, enjoy the show. All right, we're back with the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. This is a special week, a very special week. It's, it's our second attempt with Chef Lowe. <laughs> we had him on a couple weeks ago, and there was a technical difficulty with the audio, and he was kind enough to come back out here to record another episode. Thank for you for sure, coming out. Sure. Yeah. And by the way, this is Andrew and... And this is Chris, and my most sincere apologies. We're new to this podcasting thing, so glad you can come back. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to jump right into it, man. Um, let the people know who is Chef Lowe. I got it. <laughs> I'm the guy that likes to cook, I guess. Do it, do it for a living. That's right. Currently working at Estuary in, in D.C. In D.C., right? City Center in D.C. at the Conrad Hotel. Yes, sir. This guy's been in the game for how many years? Uh, officially four, uh, like five. Unofficially, probably like nine. Okay. Uh, and the first time we talked, um, I guess, you know, getting into it, my first question usually is what are you currently cooking? What's going on? What's up for 2020? What are we getting into? Um, 2020... Honestly, not too sure, but I kind I do want to get back into promoting myself and kind of doing things for my own brand, if you per se. So, yeah, that's kind of the goal for 2020, trying to get back into motivation and trying to take off of this whole cooking thing, not just working for someone mm-hmm. at a company. That seems that's like the wave right now. Everybody is like starting to see the value in their own work. And uh, and realizing that like you you don't really need you don't really need like it's good to learn from people it's good to get work yeah. experience but we don't always need these other people to to do what we want to do and be great you know what I'm saying for sure for yeah. sure so um yeah I remember last time you said your introduction to food was uh your stepfather yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my stepfather. Has been cooking since 
I want to say 07, 06, when I first met him back in 05, I want to say, maybe a little bit earlier than that, he was doing like odd jobs. I know he was a delivery guy for Domino's. He was a gardener for a little bit. And then at some point he just started working in the kitchen and he said that was his passion. He's been in there ever since. So, so when you, when you met him and, and started, and he started to be a cook, you were already, like, he was in your life, and then he started to be a cook? Yeah, yeah, he was in, like, him and my mother were just starting to get to know each other, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I remember, I would, re- I remember my mother taking us to go visit him at, uh, I can't, I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, where they have all the plants and flowers and stuff. I mm-hmm. remember he was working in there, and then he ended up getting a job over in the Rockville area at this uh, small restaurant. I can't even remember what it was called. It was a Greek restaurant, but that's where, that's why I say unofficially, that's where I started helping him out with like doing the dishes and some slight prep work and, you know, helping him out with stuff like that. And from there, it just kind of took off for him. So that's what, that's kind of why I was really excited actually to do this second recording because I already have context. And we didn't get into that earlier. Uh, so it's like, I didn't know that. You basically got to see it when he, I mean, maybe he already loved cooking, but uh, now he had a job cooking. So yeah. you got to see him fall in love with, like, the work of cooking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Which for is sure. really cool. And that gives a little bit of insight onto, like, what you actually got to experience. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then helping him out. Like, what do you think it was that, what do you think it was that he did as a cook? Or what you see in him that made you want to follow that same path? Um, you know, from the outside looking in, it just seemed like a lot of fun, just kind of moving around, combining a bunch of dishes and stuff. You know, it just seems fun. It seemed very entertaining to me. So then, you know, I was just seeing like the gist of it. I really didn't understand like what goes into running a restaurant, all the prep work and paperwork and stuff like that, working with employees, things like that. But, you know, I was just looking, like I said, the outside looking in, and it seemed like a good time. Yeah, yeah, Greek food. Yeah, it's just fine. Um, so what was your career path before food? Uh, nothing, honestly. My first job when I was a senior in high school was Pizza Hut. I was one of the... People that pick up the phone and take the orders. I wasn't working in the kitchen or anything. I was just one of those guys taking the orders, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Graduated high school. And from there, had my summer. And for my summer, went straight to Columbia, Maryland. Went to Lincoln Tech. And, yeah, from Lincoln Tech, I was... I started working at a job at Champs for, like, two months champs of shoe store just because I was I was honestly scared of working in the kitchen because mm-hmm. I've never experienced something like that. I just knew it was hard, whatever the case was. But one day I just said fuck it and I went to go apply at the Cheesecake Factory in Columbia. Got the job there and that's all she wrote at that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we touched on this we talked about it a lot last time, but um you went to culinary school. And I think you have some strong opinions on going to culinary school. Oh, yeah. Fuck culinary school 100%. (laughs) That shit. I can tell you, like, whoever is listening to this is thinking about going to culinary school, do not do it. That's just a waste of fucking money. Culinary school is bullshit 110%. Like, so whoever's thinking about it, don't do it. Just go work in the kitchen. You'll get hired easy. Kitchens are always looking for people that want to work. And 
you'll figure out if you want to do it from there. I mean, to be honest, the best thing I really got from culinary school was uh, people I met. Shout out to my brother, Urban Chef 31. Dre, that's my guy. You know, we met in culinary school back in 2013. And we just, we've been hustling ever since. Like, definitely, he's seen my growth. I've seen his growth. That's my guy. I got his back. He got my back. And, you know, we kind of just do this shit together. So, when... For all those people that you're telling fuck culinary school to, what, uh, cause you know, you say go and get a job in the kitchen yeah. and you can learn a lot in the kitchen, you know what I mean? But you can, you can easily kind of just skate by, right? It's just a job, you know, at the end of the day. So what advice would you give them as far as like how to turn that into an education that you, you wouldn't, I mean, you know what I mean? How to make that an education that's better than culinary school. I mean, to be honest, it's just about how much you want to learn. It's about the actual drive that you have. You can learn multiple things from multiple spots it's just about how if you actually do want to learn because it's a lot of bullshit that comes in this field like it's not going to be an amazing path from the beginning like it's going to be a lot of bullshit a lot of pressure but if you really care about what you're doing you're gonna take what you learn and actually comprehend what you're doing not just fucking damn i'm doing this for a paycheck but i mean if you're going to start out, if you think you want to do this cooking stuff, like a job will tell you if like you're really built for this or not. You feel what I'm saying? Like you'll feel that pressure and be like, ah, you know, this isn't really what I want to do. Or it's going to be like, all right, fuck it. Like I'm going to thug it out. You feel me? And yeah, I went to culinary school. I did a four year bachelor's at Johnson Wales, which cost me a hundred thousand dollars. But um, I, I wouldn't recommend going to culinary school either. And I think, I think you have to invest in yourself and, I'm pro-education. I just don't know that that means paying to go to college. And I see so many people who don't want to dedicate any time outside of their work. Like, I'd have line cooks, and you're talking about, like, what cookbooks are you reading? Or, like, what are you watching? What are you learning? And they want to spend zero time. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to go to culinary school, but, like, maybe you should be reading cookbooks. Like, maybe you should be, you know, reading food blogs or trying recipes at home. Like, I think you have to do something. You don't have to go to culinary school. But I think you have to invest in yourself and be educated. And whether that be give it your all in the restaurant or spend some time. Like, I can't imagine not spending time outside of work. Um, at, you know. But you see, I definitely I think that's kind of like separates the cooks from the chefs. Everyone always want to call themselves chefs. But 80% of y'all on Instagram, that guy chef in your Instagram name, you're not a real chef. Like majority of y'all are just like cooks you guys are putting in that extra work you feel me so i don't think it's anything bad to it it's like if you're doing it for a paycheck and you're good you're just a decent line cook like that's cool but you know you kind of gotta separate yourself and understand like who actually gives a fuck about this and who's doing it for a paycheck you feel me so Mm -hmm. shouts out to the people that really like doing this as a career path because this shit is not easy i mean we we all know that so Shouts out to y'all. And to the people that are just doing it just for a paycheck and doing the cooks. And shout out, without you guys, a restaurant wouldn't be running. Right. Uh, a restaurant couldn't be running with all chefs. You feel me? You still need the cooks, the dishwasher, stuff like that. that where it all helps move it in fluid motion and stuff. Yep. yep. So if, you wanna, if, you, if you're going to take the advice and skip culinary school, but you still want to get to that chef point, like you really got to put in that work and... and Man, you gotta, be the be the boss of your own education. You got to thug it out. Yeah, real shit. Like you, you gotta really got to thug it out. And what you said on the last time we recorded was, you know, when you go to culinary school, you get an introduction to a lot of things. 
Because you're not breaking down fish every day. Uh, or, or, you know, chopping. Like, they teach you how to chop an onion. But yeah. you're not chopping 50, 100, I mean, onions. like like I said, like, culinary school is just for, like, the bare minimum. They'll yeah. tell you about, like, your cuts, their names, the sizes they're supposed to be. But, again, it's... Since you don't even need to know the name if you know how to do it. That's what matters. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's easier to communicate that, like, let me right. get these carrots julienne, you feel yeah. me, rather than, like, hey, just make them a thin line. <laughs> How thin are you talking about, you feel me? Yeah. We all got, if I told Chris right now, Brimwaza onion, he's going to give me the right size. He's not going to be like, ah, is that large, medium, small? No, it's a Brimwaza. That's where, you, where you're getting the problem, though, because I don't think people will know that if they don't go to college. So like, Macedon, like, what's the size cut on that? Like, that's not a standard cut, but it's something I learned, you know, or... Who knows how to tourne a potato, you know, or turn a potato, um, you know, but like, I think that's where the chef, like we talked a lot about also the chef needs to take time and like, how does, how does the chef find time in their busy day to teach the young cooks and chefs? Like how much should they expect that these people are coming in already knowing things versus like how much time they should have to put out to mentor them? For sure. And like uh, I said on the last podcast, you know, shout out to Chef Dan. <laughs> Uh, shout out Chef Dan over at Estuary. He's a good dude. He's the type of guy that will take his time out, even though he has a lot of on his plate, whatever the case is. He will still take his time out if you ask him, like, yo, how do you do this? Or what's so-and-so about, et cetera, X, Y, and Z. He will take his time out. He doesn't try to make you feel dumb, whatever the case is. He cares about his cooks and wants everyone to succeed. And uh, just recently, this past, what was it? What's today? Today's Monday. I think it was past Friday. We had like a kitchen meeting. Uh, Chef Dan, it was Chef Dan, other, the other sous chef, Chef Brad, the uh, hotel chef, I guess you could say, of uh, Conrad and Chef Brian himself. He really sat down with all of us and we were all just like talking. We were talking about our frustrations because, you know, we're a brand new kitchen. We're a year in March, I believe, February, March. So, you know, we're still working out little kinks and stuff like that. We never really had a kitchen meeting, but we sat down and, you know, rather than Chef Dan and Chef Brad, uh, Chef Brian being like real defensive and being like, oh, well, X, Y, and Z, suck it up, da, 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 da. They were really understanding of like our frustrations. And, you know, Chef Brian was definitely, he gave us a lot of like tips and stuff. And he was like, you know, like Chef Brian being a famous chef, you know, on Top Chef, doing all these stuff, whatever, with, uh, his brother, you would think like, like none of the cooks ever really approach him, but you know, Chef Brian really let us know that he was like, yeah, I'm always here for you guys. Like if you guys ever need help on any type of prep, like I'm here, like I'm here to work. I'm not here to just walk around. So, you know, really appreciate that. So for context, those who don't know, Estuary is a restaurant owned by, uh, well, run by Brian and Michael Voltaggio, the brothers, both of whom are on Top Chef. We're recording here in Frederick, so we have Volt where Brian started his, um, career of running restaurants, I guess, or having his own restaurants. And and Dan Kennedy, Dan was the chef at Volt here, and he just left. Uh, how long has Estuary been open? What did he leave, like, last year? I think About he left last, like, December. Yeah, because I was there. I had an amazing uh, meal at Volt last November uh, for my anniversary, and he was yeah. still there at the time. Um, so do you have a lot of people who come into the restaurant because of them, and I guess the flip side is like, does anyone come in and not know who they're working for? Do, you, or do cooks come in and they have no idea that it's a Brian and Michael Voltaggio restaurant and they don't care at all? They're just looking for a cook job? Or is it a whole bunch of people who want that experience and put that thing on their resume to say that they work for the Voltaggio brothers? Um, I think it was really 
like when they first started before we opened, like we had like a very strong team and like we were all like we're all dedicated cooks, but you know, things change, people leave, whatever the case is, and now it's kinda of to the point where you know, people are kind of, I guess they're just there for the job. But, you know, still at the same time, like, so a guy just got hired, like, three weeks ago. And he, I don't think he really knew anything about, like, Chef Brian or whatever the case is. He was just, he got an apply, got the job, whatever the case is. But then Chef Brian ended up coming in, and everyone was, like, showing him respect. And then he asked one of the other cooks, he's like, oh, who's that? And he's like, that's Chef Brian Voltaggio. Like, this is, like, his restaurant. He's like, and he was like, who? And then he like did his research a little bit on Google and see, so was like, he's like a well-known guy. And he was like, oh shit, like, yeah, you feel me? So. That's what I'm working for. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, it's funny asking you questions twice because like the listeners don't know, but I, I know already. So, but I guess I'll ask just anyway. Do you have do you have restaurant dreams? Um, at this point, like, my end goal or, like, my big dream is kind of just helping to open, like, uh, like a big, nice restaurant, being the executive chef and just kind of working through there. I'm not really too sure if I want to get involved and open my own restaurant because there's a lot of logistics that people don't know. And I've experienced it and I've seen it firsthand. So it's kind of like, I think I'm going to just step away from that, but just kind of, you know, I still want to be known. I still want to be recognized and respected as a great chef. So you, you, you were at the opening of the estuary. Yes, sir. And you want to basically take on more of a leadership role in that same type of situation. Um, yeah, I would say something like that, something along the lines of that, because mm-hmm. estuary is a dope restaurant. Um, we work with Hilton, which is a great company. Like, Something like that, like something just that I could be proud of, and it's not just like a, a fucking sports bar or something. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, before we wrap up this intro round, um, <clears throat> I know you said before, you know, like 2019, you've been laying back, watching, listening, learning. 2020, you mentioned that you want to start putting it out there and, and promoting yourself. So, what do you think? What's your niche um, when it comes to food? You know, like, what, what's the direction you think you might go in as far as, like, yeah. Honestly, that's something I just, that's a question I've been asking myself. Like, I'm really not too sure, like, what's going to be me. You feel me? Like, we got Kiss the Chef. Shouts out to him. That's my boy. He does, like, real, like, comfort, like, smothered food, salmon filled with crab cakes, crab cake fries, all this. Like, he... Does that kind of stuff. You feel me? We got my boy, Urban Chef, 31. Shouts out to him. He does something along the line of that, but he also does it like refined, which I really respect. He doesn't just do something as simple as that. He just, he does his own twist to it. So I'm kind of trying, I'm trying to find that in myself. Like, what am I going to do to stand out? Because anyone can bake a salmon. Anyone can make some mac. Anyone can saute some spinach. But, you know, it's kind of, I want to be someone where I like, um, yeah, like I'm standing out, like, you know, that's like uh, Chef Flo, Chef Rike, whatever you want to say, like, that's, that's his, like, shit, you feel me? So I'm, I've been in my head about it and hopefully I find out soon. Yeah. Usually I find it, it either comes from, 
you know, something you grew up on, a cultural background, or just something you're really passionate about. Like, for me, I'm not Italian, but pizza's always been something that Facts. I fucking love pizza. Facts. You know what I'm saying? And you, you could tell when you try my pizza, you know I love pizza. Yo, shout out Pizza Llama, <laughs> pepperoni pizza, mad fire. I don't know what he does, but pizza is fire. Real, real shit. But, uh, yeah, like... My parents, both of my parents are from Colombia. My mother's from Bogota. My father's from La Plata. Um, so every time I tell people that, they're like, oh, let me get some Colombian food. Da, da, da. And I'm just like, I mean, I guess. Like, Colombian food, Columbia food is like, you know, it's simple. We got like arepas, empanadas, stuff like that. But it's not like, like I like. I like Colombian food. It's simple. It's comfort food, but it's not really something I think I could like grow on individually. You feel me? Like, I don't think I can really just like be a caterer. Like I could, but it's just, I feel like such a small, small window on it. You feel me? Is that that because you're not interested in it or you don't think there's a market for this? Because I have this conversation all the time. My best friend's Filipino. And like 10 years ago, he's like, Oh, nobody would ever go out for Filipino food. Now you're looking like Tom and Bad Saint. It's like the hottest cuisine. My other roommate in college was Jewish, and he talked about like nobody would hire like kosher caterers, and now there's right. huge money in it. So, right. do you is it because you wouldn't be interested in it, or because it's, you don't think people would be down for it? I feel like it's like because what Colombian food it, it takes like a lot of time. Like an arepa is like it's the easiest way to put it's like a thick tortilla but you have to make those by hand empanadas you gotta make it by hand it's like if i'm doing this by hand and i'm doing like a catering for 30 people i gotta at least have 70 empanadas you feel what i'm saying like how like if i charge like if i was to do that like taking the time to make 70 empanadas i would charge like four dollars empanada so what's that it's four times 70 is 280 right there you know i feel like it's worth it but yeah the it, like it's worth it financially but it's like people are people really gonna pay that for oh, yeah, that, you will. feel me and here's the thing i mean they'll definitely pay for that but the thing about catering and like being you know you said you want to promote yourself like being a, a personality an individual you know what i mean it's almost like people pay for that a lot of the time like and you're always gonna have people that say no or whatever but I mean, who's paying? I do pizza parties, right? Yeah. You get pizza and salad for 25, 25 a person, right? But I have a minimum. So, like, you might have, like, 20 people, but my minimum is $1,000. I'm not going to do it for less than that. Now, maybe I can – I'll work with people's budget yeah. a little bit if they yeah. – like, they're like, oh, well, is there anything you do for 500 Well, if I'm not busy and I can bring my little – indoor ovens out like make it easier on myself yeah then i'll do it i'm right. not going to cut corners when it comes to ingredients though you know what i'm saying for sure but if there's anything i can do to work with somebody's budget i will but just the fact that you know i've spent years building up the name for pizza llama like we have a reputation for having good pizza like what you charge doesn't necessarily have to be based on what what you think an empanada might be worth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could offer other things with those empanadas and just, just the fact that you bring a service that's unique and and a quality service, like no. you can get you can get your money for it. You know what I'm saying? No, for sure. And then and you know that's definitely something I respect, but it's just like when I think about it in the long run, it's like I'm like I've never really done a catering on my own, you feel me? So I'm a I'm a fresh face. I'm a 
I'm a new guy, so people are going to be like, damn, like, all right, this this might be a lot, but okay, I'll support it. But then at the same time, like, that's the thing. I, at this point right now, currently, I don't really have the drive to sit in my kitchen and make 70 <laughs> empanadas. Gotcha. You feel me? Like, when I think about that right now, it's like, goddamn, that's mad tedious. You feel me? So it's kind of like, would I rather do that or would I just rather make a big-ass pot of mac and cheese right. and fucking sell that? Well, I'd rather just bake off a whole salmon and sell that. You feel me? And if you can do that, do that. I love talking about money. Like, I think that's one of the things that I want to have the conversation around with a lot of people. You know, um, we did – actually, Andrew came out. I did a party not too long ago. Like, I charge $100 a head minimum mm-hmm. per customer regardless of, like, what we're selling. And we did a Mexican dinner, and we made tacos. Like, you can go to – even like the best taco places and get like a really good taco and they're like three to five dollars. Like I charge them a hundred dollars a head and they got like a Mexican, I call it like a Mexican kale Caesar salad. And we did like a taco bar setup and did some desserts and they charged, I charged them a hundred dollars a head and they had no problem spending that at all. Like the customers are out there for that, mm. but I'm not going to say like, Oh, well you can go and get like really good tacos for $5. So that's no like, you want a dinner, you're paying for the whole service, the whole thing. And I mean, we did it well. Like I buy, you know, great masa, like super awesome products, but I'm not doing a taco party for like 15, $20 a head. It's like, if you want Mexican, it's still going to be a hundred dollars a head. It'll be really good, but I'm not going cheap on you. And like, I'm trying to get people in that mode of thinking like, just cause you're doing pizza or empanadas or whatever. There are people out there who will pay a hundred dollars a head for like a Colombian dinner or whatever with, you know, empanadas. And you don't have to charge $100 a head, but the point is that people know, like, you can make your own taco. You can make your own taco bar at home by yourself and do it for pennies on the dollar for, of that. You know what I mean? But the point is that you come out somewhere and you're getting served. You want the food that's cooked by a certain person, and they're going to come out and, and give you an experience. It's really a lot of it so much. And so much of it is about experience. And that's, and that's the thing about me talking about this is kind of like... I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm like catering is not my forte. I don't really. That's why I think I'm always just been stuck in a restaurant. I like being a line cook. I like being a short order chef. You feel me? Like putting up plates one by one is kind of like my deal. Cooking in big batches. Like I don't, I don't feel any enjoyment in that. It takes like so much effort and so much time, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'll, I'll help, I'll help someone out. Like I help my boys out, whatever the case is, if they need me. But me, myself is like, do I really want to cater or do I just want to like cook yeah. dishes one by one? You feel me? Yeah. I mean, I, I tried it for a little bit. I was a private chef for Marquise Morris when he was playing for the Wizards. Uh, my boy put me on to that. I was there for like a couple of days, honestly. And, you know, so I did do the private chef and I did do it for uh I don't think it was like a celebrity client, but he, you know, he was a he was an up there client. You know, he was a star basketball player, and even then, you know, that shit was tough in its own because there were so many requirements that couldn't be the same things every day. He could only eat like certain ingredients and stuff like that. He didn't like certain ingredients. It would be uh, every day driving to the store, picking up fresh ingredients to come up with. Lunch and dinner. Breakfast uh, Breakfast is usually the same. It varied. It changed. It was like day one, day two type deal. He would have like oatmeal the first day with eggs, bacon. Next day, he would have like something else. I can't remember. 
and like eggs and bacon. Like breakfast wasn't a problem. It was more about lunch and dinner. And then sometimes he would have his homeboys over, his brothers over. So then you got to, and his brothers don't eat pork or whatever the case is. So then you got to work with that. And it was his wife, his daughter, et cetera, et cetera. You got to cook for all of them. So like I enjoyed it for the little time I was there. Like it was cool. It was a different experience, but at the same time, like that shit in itself was like mad stressful. You feel me? Did you decide that it like just wasn't right at the time for you? Or? He got traded. Oh, okay. Yeah, he. Yeah. Now he got <laughs> traded to uh, the Thunder after like after this happened. So he wasn't. I didn't work for him long enough, so he couldn't. He didn't. You really need to like bring, bring me, you. yeah, <laughs> bring you out of the It was just kind of like, oh yeah, gotta go. I was like, oh, this this is dope. I just quit my job for this. Now I gotta <laughs> fucking look for a new job. Yeah, that shit was tough. All right, we're gonna take a real a real quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. This is the deep end. Chefs without restaurants podcast. Here with Chef Low, and uh, you know we're gonna dive right into the. Same type of topics we had before, but it'll probably be better because that was just a practice run. So I remember last time we talked about stodging Mm. and I honestly can't even remember much of it, but did you ever do a stodge? Um, I started, yeah, I stodged one time at Dakota. Uh, I was looking to get out of the job I was at currently. I was working at Boulevard Tavern in Gaithersburg. I was tired of it. I reached out to... Urban Chef 31, like I said, uh, culinary school is great for connections. You feel me? You, you meet some genuine people. That was one of the people I knew I could count on. So reached out to him. I was like, yo, bro, do you know where I could find where, like, anywhere else is hiring? Like, I'm done with where I'm at. He's like, yeah, I'm here at Dakota. Like, I put in a good word for you. Come work at Stodge. That's the first time I heard about it. I was like, what's the Stodge? He's just like, yeah, come in. Show, like, show him what you could do. And we'll see if the chef give you a job. And he was a sous chef at the time over there. So I was like, all right, but like, that's my boy. He put in a word for me. Like, I'm not going to go do him dirty. So went all the way out there over at D.C., Florida Ave. Walked in there and it was him. I remember this. It was him in the kitchen and kissed the chef, Chef Damien. He was the executive chef of the spot. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time. I remember I walked in like, uh... Urban Chef came and grabbed me, like, from the outside. He was like, all right, this is spot, et cetera, et cetera. I walked into to the kitchen, and I seen Chef Damien, but I didn't know that was a chef. I just thought he was, like, another cook. I was like, what's up, bro? And then, like, uh, uh, Dre was showing me around uh, the spot and everything, and I was just like, yo, where's the chef at? He's like, yeah, you just passed him. I was like, oh, shit, because uh, Damien was, like, mad young and shit, so I didn't know that that was a chef. To me, at that time, I was like, yeah, if you're the chef, then you're, like, some old guy with a fucking beer belly you feel me so it was it was like new so i remember this like you know i all i remember was like dre putting a word for me so i gotta do my best so you know i was hustling 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 and i remember dre and damien having to talk at the time there's damien was just like yo i like this guy talking about me he's like he's hired and i was like i was like bet like thank you i appreciate it and man that's that's all she wrote like me, Dre, and Damien, we definitely, we put some time in Dakota. We we were busting our ass for brunch, service. Like, we were in there busting our ass. It was like... See, I thought you were in that kitchen for how long? Um, uh, How long were you in there, bro? Bro, yeah, yeah. Cool, we was in there. Like, uh, 
And like we and I like the you know it was a it was a very very small kitchen, but working with those two great chefs, like we definitely did the best like that we could. Like the walk-in was fucking was it two floors? It was two floors down. The walk-in was two floors down. We had a freezer on the corner, and we just had like our stations like right there. So every time we needed meats and stuff, running down two flights of stairs, go grab it, come back up. That you know like we would we worked. We worked really great off of each other. Dre or Damien needed something from me, I'd be there for him. Vice versa, all the way around. You feel me? So it was a great opportunity to. I think was that the was that the first job we ever worked together? Mazian. Ah, <laughs> so that was the second job we worked at together. But that was like the first time I worked with Dre, and he was in a management position. So you know, it was great to see him. You know, a young guy and hit. The thing I can say about Dre always has a great attitude. You feel me? Like you, everyone can feel it through the kitchen. Like I, I used to be the type of guy like in the kitchen, like I get like annoyed and fucking flustered and all this, and just be like, goddamn, like I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. But nah, Dre be the guy right there. Like he would like always make jokes and shit. Like we'd be in the shits making jokes. Yeah, yeah. But he's still like busting his ass too. You feel me? So he definitely showed me to be more level headed than what I was. And yeah, like we were working there for a good amount of time. I was there for like three months and then they offered me like a junior suit position. So I took that. So then we were like the three musketeers at that point. We was just, you know, helping each other out as best as we could. And I, I definitely, I learned a lot from that little location. That's really cool, man. Three young chefs, like y'all all on the rise right now. You got to, you basically, it sounds like you kind of almost ran the place by yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it was. It was like, because we, being in the heart of D.C. and, like, yeah. our cooks weren't, like, it was, like, such a small restaurant and, like, the background that Damien and Dre came from, uh, you know, like, I don't want to say the ghetto, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't roses and all that, you feel me? Yeah. So the cooks that we had were... You know, rough around the edges, if you could mm-hmm. say. They were all, you know, they all had their characteristics. Like, we, we was in there. We had, like, like we definitely, like, it wasn't like a regular kitchen, to be honest. Like, it was, like, a lot of, like, you know, like, you got to toughen up. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the type of kitchen where it's, like, you say the wrong thing to one of the cooks, like, you're probably going to end up fighting. You feel me? They're going to get Yeah, yeah. We was in I mean, the, hey, the alley. Hey, Dre, tell them. <laughs> We was in the alley. We was getting it in. Like it, it was like that. You feel me? So it was, it was really an experience on just like learning to really work with people and talk to people that don't don't have that kind of like control as other coaches. Where it's just like, yes, chef. It wasn't really no, yes, chef. You feel me? Which I think is good because that's the kind of chef like I strive to be is someone that can talk to every single one of the cooks and don't have them feeling like they're a piece of shit or have them feeling any, like animosity towards me. You feel me? So like I said, it was all like, it was all learning experience to all of us. You yeah, feel like me? somebody might have been holding the reins, but everybody was on the same playing field. Like, for sure. Uh, for sure. Call me out of my bullshit. Like, like Chef Dre was talking about accountability on his episode. Yeah, yeah. Thing, so. That's what's up. I mean, that, like just hearing that, I, I didn't know that about yeah. it. You didn't say that. We didn't get on that on your last that episode. Is, like, that's, that's some cool information to hear. And, like, y'all are all young dudes. Yeah, it's like. To hear that you ran that kitchen like that. And 
It's it's so much behind the scenes. Like Dre said, the first spot we worked at together was Maggiano's. That was a beast in its own. Like you know, and for me being honest, I don't want to hold nothing back. I that's the first job I ever got fired from. And I'll never forget this day. <laughs> Yo, should I tell him? Should I tell him the story? Tell the story. Uh, <laughs> like I was, I was, cheesecake was my first job. Then Maggiano's just open, all connected to like the mall, so it was right there. Dre got the job. Again, we're in culinary school, and, you know, we're in class. Dre's like, yo, we need cooks. You want this job? Like, you know, like, I need I need someone I can trust. You feel me? So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I didn't know anything about Maggiano's. I didn't know, like, what the speed was going to be. I was like, fuck it. Like, a new opportunity, I'll do it. So get in there. They put me on fry. Dre is on the pasta station. It's two cooks on pasta. Maggiano's, if you guys don't know, is a big Italian, like, corporate restaurant. So when I tell you they get rocked on pasta... Man, man, like I have never seen anyone move so fast. Like, yo, Dre was just like a blur of lightning at that point. Like, I remember, like, we had the uh, the fry station was all the way to the left side. Then it stretches down to like saute and then pasta on the right. And I just remember kind of just like watching Dre, and it's just like, yo, like being like a new cook. I was like, yeah, I can't keep up with that. You feel me? So I tried doing my best on fry, and now, like I said, like I'll never forget this. Everything's an experience. Um, I, we had like a schnitzel or something that put in the, that we had to put in the fryer, kept it in the fryer a little bit too long, came out dark. I still tried to serve it, put the cheese on top, thinking that the chef would have noticed, we put it up in the window, the chef stopped the whole service, we're getting our ass kicked. And he was just like, he's like, yo, what is this? I'm like, that's what you ordered, chef. And I'm in the shits, but he's like, he stopped everything. He's like, yo, uh, lo, what is this? I was just like, that's what you ordered. He was like. He's like, nah, I didn't. Did I order? Did I order it burnt? Would you serve this to your mother? I remember that shit clear. I was like, what was the fuck you talking about? Why are you? I was like, I, I, I didn't really know how to react. He's just like, man, just get out the kitchen. Just, just go home. Just go home for the day. I was just like, what do you mean? He's just like, go home. I was like, all right, bro. I was like, whatever. I walked out. I was just like, man, this is the first time it's ever happened. I never got kicked out. And then like two hours later. Dre calls me and he's he's like, yo, I got kicked out too. I was like, what the what? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, he kicked me out too. This this some bullshit. I'm like, man, what the fuck? That's some bullshit. I was like, whatever. The chef was probably under stress. It is what it is. Tomorrow we'll we'll get him tomorrow. Going to work the next day and uh, I tried and walked him to the chef, tried to shake his hand. He's like, come talk to me in the office. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. He's just like, yeah, what you did yesterday? Like, I can't have this and can't have that in this kitchen. I'm about to let you go. I was like, damn, over like one thing. Like that was my first fuck up. He was just like, yeah, like I can't have them in the kitchen. I was just like, I was like, all right, like it is what it is. Fucking went about my day. Mm. Two hours later, Drake calls me. Yeah, I got fired too. I was, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? But funny enough, like three, like couple, a couple days later, like, I remember like when he called me, like we had linked up, and he was just like, bro, I don't even know what I really did. Like this some BS, et cetera, et cetera. But a couple of days later, they ended up calling Dre back, like, yo, come back. We need you. X, Y, and Z, da, da, da. And then, did you go back or? Yeah, he went back because they needed him, man. He was a beast. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Never called me back, though. Fuck him. Fuck my Jones. End of the day, you guys, I, I mean, I'm not sure. It sounds like on your part, but it's. But I don't know about Dre. It sounds like maybe at the end of the day, you guys put out food that you knew. That you knew probably the chef would. What, what did you get a? What did you get fired for? Drake, get come on, man, get on the mic, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Ever since they want coming out, he gonna give you. He gonna give you his side. Go ahead, bro. Let him know what you did. Uh, 
new content. So what I got fired for was um, I worked the pasta machine and um, I let the water drain out too much where there was no water in the pasta machine. So I was working with another guy. So his job was to give me the pasta. So me being me as the leader, I took accountability for no water being in the pasta machine and it started smoking. So and this is when we had a thousand covers. So when we had a thousand covers and there's no pasta water in there and it takes about 10 minutes to get more pasta water, I'm looking at the chef like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I did wrong. He's like, Dre. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just started stuttering there. I was like, shit. He's like, go home. I was like, like come on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> he started laughing at me. I'm like, all right, all right, chef, my bad. I went home. He's like, he said, you know what? You don't even go home. Just don't come back. I was like, all right, shit. I ain't come back. That's it. But she was like, like that, so they need to. Yeah, but then I got back again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's like some good stories, man. That shit was good. I like that. Real quick, I want to touch on that uh, stage at the cliff, and that's, we're going to bring this thing full circle. So, like, that was that like a one day stage? Uh, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a one day thing, but it was kind of like after an hour or two hours. Like I was really busting my ass because mm-hmm. again, Dre put his name his name on the line for me. So I was moving. I was like, I was moving, moving. So like I said, the cooks were rough around the edges. I was one of the more refined cooks, you could say. Mm-hmm. So you know, Chef Damien just kind of like like we need him. So yeah. he like he, I remember he told me like just an hour after he's just like, oh, you're hired. So, you know, you go get paid for this, you know, so, and I was just like, but I just kept it moving. See, that's, that's, um, that's interesting because as a young chef, you know, Damien kissed the chef mm-hmm. and like, I feel like that's like the, that's the direction that the industry seems like it's moving in as far as like, you know, there's people out here, older chefs or, or back in the day, you would do stages <clears throat> where... You come out and you're working for free for how many weeks or months and, and you got to figure out a place to stay and all this shit. But, you know, it doesn't take that long. You're really just looking for free labor at that point. But really what you just need to see is what level is this person on? Can we use them? Are they willing to work? You know what I'm saying? And that's 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 what the, the industry is moving towards. I feel like sh- I think Chef Chris has something to say about about staging right now. <laughs> so I'm going to give him the mic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely changing. And there's even some question about, like, whether or not it's legal. And we talked about this before that I know Nick Kakonis, who's, like, the owner of Alinea and Next, you know, working with Grant Atkins, has said from day one, like, every single person who walks in the restaurant is getting paid. But um, when I was getting out of culinary school, I got offered a job to go work for Charlie Carter in Chicago. And he's like, cool, but you got to work for free. And it was for, like, either three or six months. So I was going to have to, like, uproot my life and move from, like, Boston to Chicago pay for rent on my own and then work like 80 hours a week for free for like three or six months. Like, how is that even a thing? Like bring me in, test me a day, you know, even, even a week. Right. And see how I am. But like after that, it's like put up or shut up. Like, you you got to pay me or you got to let me go. I don't see how you could have people come work for you for like a super extended period of time like that for free. Um, but there's a lot of question right now about that. Cause there's been some really high profile restaurants out there who've actually been fined like hundreds of thousands of dollars because they have people coming out working for them for free for extended periods of time. And I just don't think that's right. Like, yeah, sure. Have someone come and work the line one night or two and see how they're doing. But after that, I say, you got to pay your staff. Pay us, give us money. All right. We're going to take a break on that. And then we'll be back with on the fly coined by chef low. Who's here with us today. He actually suggested this name. On the fly. Right. We'll be back. 
All right, we're back with our speed round on the fly. Our guest today coined that term. Thank you very much for that. I mean, on the fly has been a term, but you suggested on the fly for the name because some of our listeners didn't like word vomit. Uh, Shout out to you listeners who actually said something. So thank you for the suggestion. On the fly, what's your favorite tool in the kitchen? Chef man. What's your favorite food to eat? <laughs> uh, pasta. Okay. Fresh made pasta, right? Yeah, pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite chef? My father and every chef that he wants. <laughs> uh, art or science? Uh, both because they pertain to cooking. They both do. What's your favorite digital tool? Thermometer. I would say scale. So that's good. But most people, he said iPhone, you know, we get a lot of different answers for that one. There's a lot of digital tools out there. You guys should be utilizing them. What's one thing you do differently from everybody else? Uh, I actually know my shit and I have common sense. Okay. I'm not even trying to brag a lot more than common sense. (laughs) It's not that common. It's really not. Yeah. All right. Uh, Can you recommend a book or a podcast? Uh, Chef of Oz Restaurants podcast. That's after this. That one's not allowed. Okay, but I'll, I'm accepted. We'll allow it. <laughs> Everybody, because because he said that too. Um, it's the only podcast everyone's listening to. I know, right? Um, or Bodega Boys. I like listening to Bodega. Boys. Okay, yeah, they're funny. I uh, like Bodega Boys. That's what's up. Shouts out to me. That's good. Good entertainment right there. How do you how do you decompress? Sleep and hanging out with my girlfriend. There you go. Shout out to your girlfriend. For sure, for sure. And Shout sleep. Out <laughs> uh, and then, what do you want? What do you want Chef Rike to be remembered for? Being the shit, just making good food, a good person overall. That's definitely the main goals. Cool. That's a good. That's a good goal to have, man. That's what I want to be remembered for too. And having the pretty. I want to be remembered for having the prettiest pizza prettiest you you definitely you definitely on track shout out pizza llama again pepperoni fire all right is there anything else you want to say before we get off um you know just shouts out to everyone in dmv that's actually doing it every chef 31 kiss the chef uh dan kennedy those are just people some people i got top of my head uh tony turnup chef et you know people that actually really give a fuck about this craft and everything and want to make a name for themselves, not just be a cook the rest of their life. So, you know, shout out to them, man. Yeah, that's about it. Shout out to you for coming back for a second time to re-record. No, we appreciate it. Thanks for making the trip and and taking the time to come out here. Let everybody know where they can follow you. Uh, Follow me on IG, Chef Rike, Chef underscore R-I-Q-U-E. And, yeah, that's pretty much the... On social media, I'm most active on. So yeah, follow me. You might catch him in the kitchen back there at Estuary one day. You go down to Conrad too. Yes, sir. All right. Once again, thank you. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, whatever on the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. I'm Andrew. My co-host Chris. Thank you for listening. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in sponsoring a show, let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.